today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Paul the Apostle says to them, Stand firm in the Lord. I think some congregants misunderstand that. Some preachers misunderstand that. They wind up singing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And they're not singing it to the enemy, but they're singing it to one another. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Satan's MO is divide and conquer. Therefore, whenever we witness great division and disunity inside the church, we know that the enemy is at work. In today's message from Philippians chapter 4, Pastor Ed admonishes us to work hard to remain at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In order to do this, we must rely on Jesus to give us supernatural love and patience in order to deal with the difficult situations and personalities that we will inevitably come across when we serve the Lord. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, The Stance That Guards Harmony. ago in the community that I served as a senior pastor, in an area close to our church, there was another church that went through an incredible split. The church was growing. People were coming. They were getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. The pastor was a wonderful Christian man. He had a, a mild temper, he was uh, gracious, and there was a conflict within the church where one of the leaders who had grown up in the church, he was a good man, he was involved in the Royal Rangers, and uh, he loved the Lord as well, but they had a difference, and that difference spread to the church business meeting, and the pastor in the moment of anger said, you have the devil in you, the man said, what did you say? Ah, you have the devil on you. Well, he was infuriated. He became so angry that he decided to sue. And he was going to sue the pastor, sue the church. Well, I believe it was especially, rather, the pastor he was going to focus on for libel, for slander. And so he took it to court. And it went into the court. It was there for months. It was there for a long time. It hit the community. It hit the papers. Congregant sues pastor. Now, people in the community were upset about what was happening. People in the church were upset about what was happening. The pastor was deeply hurt, and his family was deeply hurt. And the man who sued was deeply hurt, and his family was deeply hurt. I knew both of them, and I spent time in talking to both. And I heard both sides of the story. The man won the lawsuit. The court system awarded him $1. There was another situation that I was familiar with. 
A godly man had a burden to start a Pentecostal church in the community that he was living in. He started the church, and uh, the church was independent. It was in his name. Uh, He died. His children were very involved in that church. In fact, one of his children lived in the church because it had an apartment. Well, the children were upset with one another. And they began the fight. And the fighting spilled out into the congregation. I can still remember one Sunday morning they complained. They came to the church and one of the children had padlocked the doors so they couldn't get into worship. Leadership Magazine said that in 38% of the conflicts that churches have, those pastors wind up getting so hurt that they wind up leaving, and some even leave the ministry. And 38% of the congregants wind up leaving. And many of them, I, I add, never go back to church. Paul the Apostle says, there's a stance that guards harmony. Would you just say that with me? There's a stance that guards harmony. In verse 1, it reads, Therefore, my brothers, you who I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What he's referring to is outside of the church, there were tremendous pressures in the city of Philippi. The church, from its very origin, from its very beginnings, went through rough times. The community persecuted them. They persecuted Paul and Silas. You remember Paul and Silas went up singing in prison and God sent an earthquake and and, uh, they were really supernaturally delivered and the jailer was saved. But turmoil surrounded the church in that community. When there's pressure on the outside... It's sometimes difficult on the inside. When there's pressure that we're going through, perhaps financially, perhaps in our jobs, perhaps just in general within the culture, we will tend to be less patient, we will tend to be more sensitive, and we'll have shorter fuses. And so Paul the Apostle says to them, stand firm in the Lord. I think some congregants misunderstand that. Some preachers misunderstand that. They wind up singing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And they're not singing it to the enemy, but they're singing it to one another. They've dug in, they've decided we're going to do it the way I think we should do it. And that's what happened in this church at Philippi. There was the beginnings of big problems. Now, they always start small. If you take care of the splinters, you won't have splits. If you take care of things when they're small, they tend not to grow to become 
large. Just picture with me Paul's words to this Colossian church. Now he uses a military term. When he says stand firm, stand firm, it's a military term. You're in a spiritual army and you're fighting the enemy, Satan, not one another. In Philippians 1.27, it reads, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. One man, one spirit, one faith, unity, stand firm together. The enemy is on the outside, not On the inside, it's not one another. And here you have an example of battle-weary people turning on one another. And it's beginning in the church of Philippi. It's a spiritual church. It's a wonderful church. Some people wind up just fighting the wrong battles. Well, I like hymns. Well, I like choruses. Well, I like short sermons. Well, I like long sermons. Well, I like topical preaching. I like expositional preaching. Well, I like him and I like her. And on and on and on it goes. That's the enemy. And people wind up creating discord. It happens in the church. You know what people do? Hand grenades. They do. They walk on. Let me tell you about her. You think she's so spiritual? They tell. And then they said, let's pray about it. (laughs) And what they do is they throw hand grenades, assassinating other people's character. Real leaders. I'm going to underline this. Real leaders don't pull down other leaders if you are you're not standing firm where are you standing you're standing in the flesh Paul says stand in the Lord when you stand in the flesh you battle in the flesh when you stand in the Lord you battle in the spirit and that's what Paul is encouraging because there's two very good people two very good women And they're at odds with each other. So he gives us the exhortation, the stance that guards harmony. It's in the Lord. I recognize I'm a citizen of heaven. I recognize what my spiritual battle is. It's not other Christians. It's Satan. It's the powers of wickedness. Here's a bit of advice. Write it in your Bible. Open up your Bible. Put it down in the front or the back. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. (laughs) You don't. Walk away. Avoid it. So Paul is saying, make sure that you have the right stance. The second thing is the efforts that sustain harmony. Now, parents, please, please. If you're looking for a biblical name for your daughters, don't give them these names. Yudia and Syntyche. Well, these are two good ladies. 
And Paul is going to make a personal appeal to them. Paul is going to speak to them to try to bring harmony. And, uh, you know, our fallen nature, the sinful nature that we have, it tends to cause us to fight with one another. Relationships tend to break down. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. They are separated from God because of sin. Cain and Abel in the very beginning, brothers, and they're fighting, and they're they're separated. Sin is that way. And you have to maintain the unity of the family of God. It's something that you have to work at, and it's one of the hardest jobs pastorally that leadership has to do. Maintaining the unity of of the body. Sometimes Christians are like porcupines. You know, up in the Canadian winter there, it's cold, and these two porcupines tried to get close together. Every time they came close together, they would prick one another. And so they moved apart, and then they would come back together again because they wanted to keep warm, and then they would, again, pinch one another. And uh, that's sometimes the way Christians are. They try and come close, and then there's friction, there's problem, and they go apart. Then again, they come close, and then something else happens. Well, Paul the apostle is saying... You have to work at producing unity, and there's an appeal that advances unity. There's an appeal. You see, I plead with Judea. I plead with Sintica. I plead with them. Paul the Apostle personally appeals to them. He knows that these two good women, and they're good women, they contended by, with Paul, they were involved in the founding of the church, They both had their name in the book of life. You know, sometimes we want to demonize other Christians who disagree with us. Now, notice it says, agree with each other in the Lord. Now, I don't know what they had a conflict over. Uh, Maybe it was a philosophy of ministry. Maybe it was how to run different things in the church. Both of them wanted to do the right thing, but there was somehow a conflict that came. And this conflict began to stir. Jesus knew it would happen. And in Matthew chapter 18, he says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, then take two others along with you. And and on the... uh, Jesus counsels us. He said, listen, you could take it to the church body, but go and talk to them. You know what we do? Here's how it happens. Do you know what she said to me? Yeah. She should have never said that. Yeah. Do you know what she said? Let me, would you pray with me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody bothers to ask, did you go and talk to them? Did you go and try and make it right? Oh, let's go and talk to them. No, 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 I don't want to talk to them now. So you tell 20 other people. You get on the phone and you tell your side of the story. You know, it's like when people go to counseling sometimes. They go into the counseling room and the counselor gives them the suggestions. And then after a while, they stop coming. And you say, what happened? Yeah, didn't help me. What do you mean? They share the scripture with me. Yeah, they share the scripture with me. But I didn't like that. No, no, it's, uh, it's, 
the other person's fault. Uh, They wanted me to change. What happens sometimes is we get into these conflicts and we don't follow biblical advice. Instead of going and working things out and talking to people. You know, it's a terrible thing when people have clashes with one another and they bury those things. Now, I mean, you don't have to say everything you feel, please. <laughs> You'd have no friends if you did that. <laughs> but what happens is you, you have these conflicts and you go to somebody and what are the spiritual leaders supposed to do? Tell my yoke fellow. Paul advances uh, this appeal for unity, the appeal to advance unity. He says, tell my yoke fellow. We don't know who that was. It could have been Luke. It uh, could have been uh, some other leader in the church. It could have been the pastor. But sometimes you need an arbitrator. You need someone who's not emotionally involved to come in and, and help navigate through that. How many church splits... How many differences would be resolved if we followed what the scripture says? We have to guard the unity of the church. It's of utmost importance. It's in the Bible. All of chapter 4 in Ephesians 4, where a good part of it is devoted to unity. Now, watch what happens. The next point. The mindset that advances unity. Notice what he says. Be of the same mind in the Lord. That triggers off something in all of their minds. When he says, be of the same mind in the Lord, immediately their minds would go back to chapter 2 where the same phraseology, the same words are used. Let me read to you. We'll put up the verses on the screen. In Philippians 2, 2 to 5, it's the New King James. Fill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then Paul the Apostle goes into one of the great explanations of the humility of Christ. The kenosis chapter, where Jesus humbles himself and takes the form of a man and dies on the cross and suffers for us. This great theological truth has bearing on how I live out my life in the church. That's what Paul is saying. He says, being like-minded. Now, get the picture with me for a moment. Have you ever had the experience? You're sitting in a church. The preacher is preaching, and you feel like, He's talking to me. He has me in mind. Now, could you picture these two women, Yudia and Sintika, sitting there, and Paul says, says, be like-minded, be humble, consider the other. The white heat, and that's what it is, the white heat of conviction of the Holy Spirit is just boring away at their hearts 
and they feel it. Now, have you ever felt that? I mean, I have. I felt like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. You got my name on this message. Now imagine the preacher stops and then he calls you out by name. Oh, man. Well, that's what happens here. Yudia, Syntyche, hello. How are you listening? <laughs> you know, God wants us to work hard at unity. He wants us to guard the unity and to advance it, to be advocates, to bring the body of Christ together. It's the work of the enemy to divide people. The enemy will put thoughts in your mind and put motives in your thinking concerning another Christian. Now, these two women... When they get to heaven, they're going to forget any argument. But tell me, how do we and why do we remember them? For all the work that they did with Paul? For all they contributed? No, we remember them because of the conflict they have. The only reason their name is in that Bible, in the scriptures, is because of the conflict. How will people remember you? How will they remember me? How will they Those people never got along, always complained, always had something to gripe. You don't want to be remembered that way, do you? That's, these two women are being remembered this way. Everything else is being forgotten. All the good things that they did. Just simply, and this is what's being recalled. Now, I, I could imagine that in the church, people develop sides. And the issues began to grow. Someone has said forgiveness, the freedom to be at peace within our own skins, and to be glad in each other's presence. When we have an unforgiving heart and hold things, you can't be glad in another person's presence. You can't just be transparent. I mean, if you have a conscience, you can't. Someone has said, an apology is a good way to have the last word. (laughs) Good advice. Good advice. Now, I'm going to cover this last point and fly through it. But the attitude that promotes harmony. The attitudes that promote harmony. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. What's our disposition? Some people are a walking civil war. I mean, they're looking for a fight. They're looking to get in a brawl. They're just looking to argue about something. Those people generally are not people who are glad. That's why Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. A cheerful disposition. When a person is rejoicing in the Lord and happy in the Lord, the problems and strifes are often like water on a duck's back. They just roll off. When a person has a grumbling and complaining spirit, and 
anything and everything bothers them. Dr. Ed Jones is taking us through the book of Philippians, which Paul wrote to encourage the believers in Philippi while he was in prison. It's our prayer that learning more about this letter is encouraging to you as well. We can all take hope in Paul's words when he said, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How awesome is it to know that every good work Jesus began in us will be completed without fail? As Jesus does good work in our lives, it is so important to be in community. Are you part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and haven't yet found a home church, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. to worship together and learn more from God's Word. We also have a Bible study Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. that enables us to dig deeper into the Scriptures together. We'd love to see you there. For more information, you can call 845-462-5955 or you can find us online at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you can find directions and service times, as well as additional messages from Pastor Ed. Once again, that number is 845-462-5955. Call us with your prayer requests, because we'd love to be praying for you. Remember to come back for the next edition of Building in Faith Radio to hear more from Pastor Ed on the book of Philippians. Your word restores.